I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. When I grew up, it was all about high-carb and fat-free diets. We were educated on the food pyramid. The food companies drove us to convenience with TV dinners, packaged food, microwaves. Now, sugar is the devil, the primary cause of raising obesity, diabetes, and dental catastrophes. Having said that, I'm English, so dental catastrophes are kind of a rite of passage. But we're told now fat is our saviour. Long gone is it fat-free, now fat is king. At the same time, we're told by the sports nutrition companies that sugar is the coal for your engine. Are you confused yet? I'm not surprised. I'm Matt Dixon, this is the Purple Patch Podcast, and today we're going to dive into one of your pillars of performance and health, nutrition. It's one of the most polarized and confusing subjects for any endurance athlete, a subject that is prone to quick fixes, false claims, quackery, and even evangelism. My mission is to frame your mindset about what you put in your body, hopefully create a practical guide around fueling and eating, and establish a pathway of habits that help you find performance, manage energy, and retain or find great body composition. We're going to go through daily eating and fueling. But before we get cracking, let me opine a little. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes guys, the Word of the Week. And this word has come up many times in the last few weeks of discussions with many of the elite performers that we've already had on. It's the word habit. Central to adoption of a successful recipe to improve in your performance, we must be able to establish things to become habitual. The only way to establish a sustainable recipe to improve and continue to improve over the journey of performance is to make much of what you do as habitual as possible. Let me give you an example. Just this morning I was at swimming and I realized it has become a habit for one of my professional athletes, Laurence Dalal, to arrive early at the pool. Right before the doors open up at 5.30 in the morning, she is always there and she's in the water by 5.31 a.m. While others establish the habit of being more social, Laurence habitually skips the chatter and gets swimming. It's what champions are made of. But this is just a single example. We've already talked about so much of the many aspects of performance. Sleep, recovery, mapping your training and planning. This is really confusing if you start to build it up and make it bigger than it really is. If you listen consistently, you might start to become overwhelmed of what should I do first? It's similar to launching your own business. There's so much to do. What should I actually do first? Well, you should actually focus on what you can control and make incremental steps towards the journey. It can be overwhelming, but my advice is strip it down and keep it simple. Focus on one single thing to change, one key component that will help you in a single area and make it habitual. A common one for athletes, post-workout fueling. Perhaps you want to begin there. Another, sleep. Make it a priority. Make it habitual. Don't solve the world. 
Just make a single change, but make that change and evolve it for five to six weeks until it becomes cemented as a pure habit. A habit is something that you don't think about. There's a level of automation and it just occurs. You're going to be surprised at how one incremental change leads to another and then another. And suddenly you're a year further on in your life and you look back and you think, goodness me, this is the evolution that I was looking for. It's really aligned with that favorite phrase that I have in the dictionary, nailing the basics. So much of your success is going to be about small little habit development. And it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And that is why the word of this week is habit. Now, it's a good week for this phrase. Let's get on with the meat and potatoes. So yes, nutrition, a big, big subject. But realize before we start today's discussion, I am not a dietitian or a degreed nutritionist. I'm a physiologist and coach, and today's discussion is through that lens. There are much greater experts in food science, and I'm lucky I've got to talk and work with many of them. But today, I talk with the mission to become your filter of what I know and what good information is. I have no skin in the game, no agenda to push, but I hope to just be able to boil down a complex and confusing subject to the most simple and actionable approach that I can for you. It's all about creating a performance-driven habit. Now, bear in mind, this is a young science and we continue to learn. In fact, I hope that we've got to go and redo this episode in 18 months due to new findings and understanding. But until then, let's go with my coach's lens, what I understand and what I believe now. So to get cracking, let's frame the mindset. Nutrition is a big subject and it becomes even bigger when you have the athlete that has to combine healthy eating habits with performance nutrition. It becomes a world of rabbit holes, very similar to endurance training methodologies. So here's your highest level approach and mindset to eating. Underneath the pillar of nutrition, you have two main components. The first is what I call fueling. And I want you to think about those as the calories that you consume during training and immediately following. And by immediately following, I mean within about 30 minutes at the end of training. On the other side, you have your nutrition, and that's your daily eating habits, breakfast, lunch, dinners, and snacks. It's really worthy to isolate them. For each of these, the needs and associated mindsets are completely different. And while there's crossover, it actually is going to help you to break down when you approach your eating. We're going to go through each of them. Now, under the pillar of performance of nutrition, we can also include hydration, both during training and during life. But for today's episode, we're going to push that aside. That actually really deserves its own discussion. And so in the purpose of today, we're only going to focus on your eating, the calories that you're consuming, and we're going to save hydration for another day. So let's go through both of them. I hope you get to enjoy some practical steps and rules of thumb that you can really put into action. So the first one we're going to talk about is fueling. This is the calories that you consume during and immediately following the workout. This is everything for the training athlete. It is really critical that you get this right. But why would I say that? I would actually label this as your number one performance habit. 
But why? Why is fueling important? Well, there are several reasons to it. So let me go through at the highest level. The first is the most obvious. Getting fueling right is important to enable your performance during the training session or, of course, during your race. But secondly, it also enables you to recover from that training session and, I would add, prepare for upcoming sessions. Do you remember that magic word, consistency? Okay, a fueling is a big part of that. Beyond the actual performance and recovery, we also like to have great fueling so that we can set up portion control and best eating habits in the rest of your daily eating consumption. So when you go into that nutrition window, it enables you to have best practices on that side. Fourthly, it actually is a great reducer of stress hormones. When you exercise, there are appropriate circulating stress hormones. But when we, we don't want to carry those hormones throughout the day and getting fueling right is going to help reduce them and set up great energy management in the day. And really, that's the final component. It is a tool in your energy management. If you want to have controlled energy throughout your day, yes, you need to get your sleep right. You also need to have appropriate training, but we must get our fueling right. So to help us understand fueling, I want to go through a case study. Yep, we're going to bring up another purple patch athlete. The lucky one this week is an athlete named Mike. Now, I want to go through his intake form that he filled out when he first started coaching. And of course, I've kept a copy of this, even though Mike started coaching with me three or four years ago. So the purpose of this form is to help me understand and gain insight into Mike's habits. So let's understand who Mike is and go through his profile first. So as it may not surprise you, he's highly driven and motivated. He's a family man, busy executive, tends to race the Ironman 70.3 or half Ironman distance globally. And his mission is to try and go from mid-pack towards podium. So he obviously wants to improve. But it's not just about results. It's about testing himself and thriving and seeing what his limits are. So he really signed up for coaching with one of my least favorite sayings, trying to go to the next level. And his big assumption when he joined is, I'm joining Purple Patch, I'm going to commit, and I know that you are going to drive me forward towards my goals. Well, ironically, it didn't quite work out in the way that he expected, even though the results ended up being good. For the landscape of his life and training, he tended to do morning sessions in the week. So as a one session a day athlete, tended to train in the mornings. Typically, he had about 60 to 90 minutes to cram in the best training that he could. On the weekends, he got to go a little bit longer. But a typical fabric of the training week tends to be somewhere between 10 and 12 hours, which is really, really common for a purple patch athlete. So I'm going to read you a few questions from the intake form and his responses. So question number one, do you always consume calories immediately following the workout? Mike's answer, no. And in fact, he had a follow-up. He said, I typically finish my morning workout and then I run and I grab a breakfast sandwich on the way to the office and it's still typically sitting there at the end of the day, cold and uneaten. Do you have any energy issues and swings throughout the day? Answer, 
I'm very busy in the day, but I do find I get hungry in mid-morning and really tired in the middle of the afternoon. But nothing that a coffee doesn't fix. Sometimes I must admit that I miss evening workouts if I am actually scheduled to do them. And I think it's simply because I haven't eaten lunch and I don't have the energy to follow through. I always come home starving, although luckily our family loves to eat evening meals. So question three, what are your global eating habits? His answer, not great. I tend to skip lunch. And if I don't skip lunch and I actually get lunch, it's because I'm really hungry. So you can imagine I have a big piece of pizza or a large sandwich as I'm craving carbohydrates. I don't snack in the day. And while I try to eat healthy, I likely don't eat enough. It's the evening where the best laid plans fall to pieces. Interesting. We're going to dive into that a little bit later. Follow up question. Do you have daily cravings, sweets, pastas, pizza, etc.? See above, but even worse, I'm often eating cookies at midnight. Every single night, I'm craving sugar. I then go on to ask him about metrics. He gave him the metrics. or why One of the big things that flagged up for me is that he had a tough time dropping body fat. He was globally retaining body fat despite having a consideration that he felt like he was under eating. And he also reported that he would often get sore muscles. Some other factors that I think are really important for you to understand in this intake form. He has a history of injury and niggles. He has great yo-yo performance in both daily energy as well as training. And he really found it common to have fatigue during the day and then poor sleep at night. And he noted that perhaps that was due to afternoon coffee consumption. I actually think it was due to that and a few other things. Well, as you can guess, these questions here was the number one target for me when I started on Mike's program. He arrived with focusing on raising his game through probably upping training load. He was very metrics driven and had specific goals about raising his functional threshold, his 5 and 10k time. How are we going to get there? What type of magic intervals are you going to give me? And at the same time, he was aware of his eating issues, but his bold assumption was that we were going to put him on some specific magic diet. In fact, one of his first questions he said to me on the phone, he said, are we going to go low carb, high fat, etc., etc.? You can imagine the conversation and where it went on. So my ask for Mike, back to basics, a phrase that you've heard before. I wanted him to establish really good habits because when I read his intake form, everything pointed towards underfueling. So what I want to go through is some of the cause and effect of his habits and how it was having an impact, not only on his performance, but also on some of the components that he's reporting that he was having a really hard time joining the dots to, but were absolutely related to his fueling habits. So let's first go through the training session and think about it in terms of stress. So when Mike trains, To support his training session quite appropriately, there are elevated circulating stress hormones. And this is a good thing because it enables performance during the workout. The challenge was at the end of the workout, Mike does not refuel. And the effect of that is that those stress hormones are carried into the workday. So what is great in training isn't great in the rest of the day. And in fact, what that leads to is a case of unnecessary system overdrive. He was getting the same stress hormones and yet he was carrying them to the time where he wanted to be calm and balanced and recovering. Let's talk about the training session again and link it to consistency. So Mike trains hard. He stresses the body, 
quite appropriately, we create specific muscle damage. And we must have that so that we can force adaptation. But at the end of that workout, we already know by now, Mike doesn't refuel. So what's the effect? Well, the first thing is muscle repair is inhibited. We have the training stress that's applied. We do appropriate damage, but it simply cannot recover. Add to that that our energy stores that we've utilized during training are also not replenished. And that has a knock-on effect to your subsequent training. If you're chronically under-fueling, over time, you're going to be less and less prepared for future training episodes. In the long term, what this adds up to is a loss of muscle and tissue integrity, as well as suppressed physiological adaptations. Of course, I would add to it the yo-yo of performance during training. There becomes a heightened unpredictability on how you're going to perform if you're arriving unprepared. Now let's stay with the training session and talk about the effect on Mike's daily eating habits. We know now Mike trains hard. During that training session, he's utilizing a combination of carbohydrate, that is coal, that is sugar, and fat. He is going to finish in an appropriate deficit calorically. So at this time, he's worked out, he finishes, he's burnt calories, and his metabolic rate is high. Your body is like an oven, and when you exercise, it heats up. That's why you start to sweat. Well, the body at this time is highly efficient at absorbing carbohydrate. And when you absorb the carbohydrate, you are storing it as glycogen. And the nice way to think about glycogen is your stored form of carbohydrate. And it's stored in your liver, but most importantly, in your muscle. It's your energy packets. It's also appropriate at this time that we consume protein so that we can facilitate recovery and begin repair, just as we talked about above. But as we know by now, Mike doesn't refuel. So what's the effect on that? Well, it's something that I call athletic starvation. And what that leads to is he is calorically deprived and he doesn't consume calories. And the body says in a very smart way, "Uh oh, I am actually in starvation mode. So a few things happen. The first is it elicits massive cravings for calories and the cravings that it calls out for are of course what he's in deficit for, mostly carbohydrate. So now we can join the dots and start to understand why sometimes at lunch he's craving pasta and pizza and he's getting up at midnight and having those cookies. He is calorically underserved, but on top of that, his body is making the call signal to say, give it to me. Of course, that becomes so much more challenging to manage when you're looking to eat healthy and actually choose appropriate nutrient-dense, high-quality calories. Add to this that when he is in this starvation, it is very, very challenging to elicit portion control. When you're very, very hungry, you tend to overeat. It's a natural human emotion. So we have cravings, we have challenges around hunger control, but on top of that, later in the day, as we've learned from Mike, when he does fail, when he does consume the pasta, when he does have pizza at lunch, when he does wake up at night and he consumes those cookies, we need to understand what happens there. Well, now your system is cooled. Your metabolic rate is back down to baseline. It's low. And when you consume carbohydrate, particularly sugar and starchy carbohydrate, at that time, your metabolic rate being low, it has a much higher propensity to be stored as fat. 
particularly if you are in athletic starvation, because the body has gone into a protective mode where it wants to hold on to the biggest energy yield it can. And we get a much bigger yield from storing fat, nine calories, than we do from storing a molecule of carbohydrate, four calories. None of this is pretty reading. Well, there is a one, two, three punch for Mike, and it all adds up to this. When he has this habit, it's the cause and effect mentioned above. And what that leads to is wild energy fluctuations, a lack of control of eating choice and portions, poor recovery, and therefore poor longer term performance, body composition issues, that fat retention and loss of muscle tissue quality that we talked about, performance fluctuations, and of course, global elevated stress, and that will have a health impact. So in a work lens, we can also add to it that he has less of an ability to actually focus, impaired decision-making and critical thinking, and I'll add often a tendency to lead into moodiness and lethargy. So of course, the natural tendency for someone like Mike in his situation is to think, my goal performance gains are not there, I'm not losing weight or improving my body composition, so I must have to give more in training. And add to that, tell me what diet to go on. I'm happy to cut calories. I'm happy to eliminate food choices. No, 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 no. That's not what you want to do, Mike. And luckily, that's not what Mike did. Step one for him was nailing his fueling. Get this right, and it would establish better eating habits, energy, and performance that can arise out of it. The first step for Mike's were not to evolve training hours and they weren't to make Mike start to weigh his food or restrict a macronutrient. Instead, we went through these steps and these steps are the go-to pieces to make an actual guide for smart fueling for you. The first is before you work out, it's great to have a small carbohydrate-focused snack. It can be real food, it shouldn't be sugary, but just a small snack. If you wake up in the morning, that might be as little as half or one slice of toast. For workouts less than 60 minutes, there is no need to have calories. Do you hear the headline news there? If you're working out for an hour or less, there's no need to consume calories during. If you're working out 60 minutes or more and it's high intensity, you must have caloric support. Now, we're going to save the details for part two of this discussion where we're bringing our resident purple patch nutritionist, Kyla Chanel. That's for next week. But just remember, workouts over 60 minutes or a high intensity, you must have caloric support. Here's a key component. No matter whether it's under 60 minutes or over 60 minutes, Every single workout following you must fuel your number one key component to performance. Consume calories within 30 minutes. That is my key component. Now it can be everyday food. It doesn't need to be engineered, but we'll talk about the details next week. Let's add to that a few other things that I said with Mike. I wanted him to start to implement snacks. I had him hit the apple and almond butter at 10 a.m. At lunch, I actually had his EA, his personal assistant, commit to ensuring that he had a robust lunch that had all three macronutrients and wasn't too carbohydrate focused, at least making sure that he was going to avoid that pizza. I also had him have an afternoon snack and what he loved to have were some nuts, cheese and crackers, all fine by me. By the time he got home in the evening, he wasn't starving. 
and I recommended that the evening meal consists mostly of a bunch of good protein, lots of oils and great fats, and vegetables, very little carbohydrate. For the mindset, I said to him, don't think too much about performance. I want you to give away metrics for a while. I want to actually retain the rest of your training program and keep it pretty similar. You're already sleeping the appropriate time. We're just hoping to see improved quality of sleeping. And so the ask for Mike was maintain training habits, don't count calories, continue to sleep just as much as you are, But the only observation I was asking him for is how did you feel in workouts? What was the recovery like? What was the consistency like? How was your energy in the day? And what happened to your cravings? We aim to focus on the immediate feelings, how he actually felt during the first two to three weeks. And we put aside the big performance changes that we were looking for in the bigger picture. So what were the results? Well, of course, the cravings. Boom, done, very, very quickly. He ended up eating more on a daily basis, but feeling better. And add to that, he had much more controlled energy. And very, very quickly, what by about the second week, he actually eliminated that afternoon cup of coffee. The catalyst out of it, improved sleep, improved performance consistency, and he had a platform where he could actually drive in with great training consistently over many, many weeks and many, many months. Yes, longer term, these set of changes were the catalyst for a whole bunch of performance gains and success. But the key, the critical key, was simply establishing control on the daily recipe, pardon the pun. So I hope Mike's story gives you a little bit of insight into the framing and the mindset of fueling. So let's review the ABCs one more time. I'm going to do a quick list of you to remember on how you should approach your fueling. Here we go. Number one, workouts under 60 minutes, no calories needed. Workouts over 60 minutes typically need caloric support, especially if they're intense. Every one of your workout requires post-workout fueling. You should eat real food when possible within 30 minutes, and it should be mostly a mixture of protein and carbohydrate. Eat more carbohydrate following the workout if the workout has been really long or really intense, and a little less carbohydrate if it's short and easy. Pretty simple. But remember, every single workout you do still requires that you fuel following the workout. As mentioned, consume real food, and that can actually go into your actual training sessions. If you're doing a longer and easier endurance type session, it's okay to eat real food, trail mix, sandwiches, components like that. But in high intensity training or very long duration training, sugar is your friend. Yes, it really can be your friend and you should consume it. If you have a key workout that has some key intervals, don't shy away from those sugary, engineered fueling components such as chews, blocks and component like that. And in fact, in your racing, for the majority of athletes, most of your calories are going to come from sugar. Even the most low carb, high fat athlete is going to consume sugar as their predominant fuel source during racing. If you really are going longer, and you're a mid to backpack athlete, you might be able to consume macronutrients. But for the most part, in racing, high intensity training, sugar is your friend. Remember that. If you nail this, 
every time. And then we have the privilege to talk about the rest of your day. So as we launch into your breakfast, lunch, dinners and snacks, I want you to remember this. From now on in this episode, when we're talking about the daily eating and the platform and health, it can only be effective if you get your fueling right. Now that first, you have a much better chance of getting the nutrition right. So we put aside fueling and we think about daily eating, nutrition as I like to call it. So what are some of the common athlete mistakes that occur with nutrition? The first, and this is very, very common, is an athlete not eating enough to support their training load. And this is actually quite interesting because so often it isn't just an emotional component. It's actually just a fact that an athlete is training so much that they're unaware of the caloric needs to adequately support that training. So it's a classic mistake. A second is that the wrong types of calories are utilized to support their training and health demands. That tends to be an over-reliance on starchy carbohydrates and sugar in the rest of their day. And a third mistake, much as like I mentioned above, is the integration of your fueling foods during the nutrition window. Athletes that start consuming sugary drinks, bars and blocks during the time where they should be looking for nutrient-dense food. So let's set your lens on the nutrition window. What we're looking to establish with your daily eating habits is a platform of health. We want to create really, really good, healthy eating. And the goal of that is to try and maximize real foods that are minimally packaged and processed, that are nutrient-dense and are made up of mixed macronutrients. Yes, there should be a contribution of carbohydrate, protein and fat. We want to absolutely minimize high sugar foods. And we have to be aware here, a word of warning, we have to think about those hidden sugars that are present in so many foods. I would also add that one of your goals is to not fall for evangelism. I would really urge you to keep this relatively simple. Don't fall for elimination or short-term diets because we're not worried about diets. We're focused on eating habits. We always want to integrate long-term habits to help you be successful. And equally, while I don't want you to fall for evangelism, I don't want you to turn into a monk. Mostly good is okay in this realm. And as I like to say, everything in moderation, including excess. And so when we think about the below, this isn't about weighing food. This isn't about becoming obsessive. This is about setting apart mostly good habits that can lead into a global platform of health that you can build your training on. So why is this important? Why do we actually care about healthy eating? Well, as mentioned, it is your general platform of global health. But underneath this, what we're really talking about is the support of your immune system, your cellular health and support of vitamins and minerals that are so important in so on many of the bodily functions. We also have to maintain and improve muscle and tissue health. And healthy eating is going to help establish energy management throughout your day and continue to stock up on energy reserves for upcoming workouts. Let me finally add, recovery. While we talk about fueling as essential to recovery, your daily eating also has a role in your recovery. So there are lots of reasons that it's important to us to get it mostly good in our eating habits. To come back, think about this. Fueling is your performance. That's where you're putting octane in the race car. But your nutrition 
is the platform of your health. So let's start with your ABCs. First of all, your mum was always right. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And in fact, you want to have that breakfast to be focused mostly around protein and some carbohydrates. Yes, that magic word carbohydrates. You should be consuming carbohydrates and they should be a part of your breakfast. Now, joining the dots, if you remember at the top of the episode, we talked about crossover. Your breakfast might often be actually a fueling component, and that's where it's the hybrid. But remember, a daily habit of eating is you always want to consume calories. You want to globally front load your calories throughout the day. So that means that your breakfast shouldn't actually just be present, but it should be your biggest meal of the day. And we should also have the front loading of carbohydrates. So what I mean by that is your bigger meals occur early with a greater emphasis on carbohydrate as a ratio. So what we now have is big meals, carbohydrate focused, and every workout following the workout, it's okay to have some starchy carbohydrates. We are then going to taper the size of your meals throughout the day, and we are going to taper your starchy carbohydrates. And that means in your meals in the rest of the day, the emphasis on your eating is focused around protein, good oils and fats, and your sources of carbohydrates coming predominantly from vegetables. Now, we want to break these meals up in the rest of the day into consistent smaller meals. I much prefer you to avoid excess. And when I mean excess, that's avoiding starvation, having long gaps without eating, as well as gluttony, having big fields fueling where you're going well in excess of your caloric needs. Instead, eat consistently, perhaps five times daily, and ensure that we're having most of those meals being focused around those good oils, protein, and vegetables. So what are the other ABCs? Here are a couple of others. Don't count calories. I'm not a massive fan, unless you're under the supervision of a qualified nutritionist, of you actually over-focusing on caloric intake. Instead, I much prefer you to focus on habit generation. Your snacks, they're a good thing, one mid-morning, one afternoon, should be protein-focused, some fat, and some veggies. But you want to eliminate or at least highly restrict anything with sugar and certainly too many starchy carbohydrates. And finally, with your evening meals, if you're in search of improving body composition, and then it's a great time for you to reduce, not eliminate, but reduce any evening carbohydrates. Piles of veggies are okay, Plenty of fat and protein is great, but it's okay to reduce or eliminate many of the starchy carbohydrates that you're going to have. And remember, if you're getting sweet cravings or you're having a tough time controlling portions in that evening meal, you want to look at your fueling and your eating habits earlier in the day. Because when you take a step back, it's normally pretty simple to identify the places that you're dropping short. So a performance mindset. This is an important summary. You have to join the dots between the training principles that you're executing and your eating. Realize that a fueling is a part of your recovery. So while we talk about fueling as a part of your nutrition pillar of performance, we also put it under the recovery pillar. We also want to realize that training is an ongoing performance journey and therefore your eating should be too. So don't go on a diet. Take a long-term journey lens. Cement basic habits, 
always nail the fueling, eat mostly well, and be okay with a little bit of excess or deviation without guilt. That's okay. That's a part of living. Realize that ultimately the basic rules are really, really key. So be aware of some of the effects of poor nutrition and fueling. Look for the signs. Are you experiencing a fatigue? Do you have body composition issues? Are there energy fluctuations in the day? Are you experiencing consistent sickness and frequent injuries? If you are, there's nearly always a nutrition and fueling component that we have to try and work out. Realize, and this is something that always staggers people, when we have an athlete that is training hard but retaining body fat, the intervention nearly always includes having them train less and eat more on a daily basis, and that is the route to success. So hopefully you have a lens. Treat your fueling as your fueling. It's a performance mindset. And treat your nutrition, breakfast, lunch, dinners, and snacks as the platform of health and daily performance. So that's my basic lens. Next week, we're going to build on this conversation. We're going to get to include an expert's opinion because we're going to have Purple Patch resident nutritionist Kyla Chanel, who works with many of my professional athletes as well as several of my executives and CEOs. And we're going to go through fueling and nutrition, but get a little bit more granular. We're going to go deep on the topics and get nitty gritty on some of the must-haves, how much to eat and how often. So if you want to learn more, just hold your horses because next week we're going to kick it into high gear with Kyla. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that helps as a framing of my performance mindset as we talk about one of the critical pillars of performance, nutrition. Until next time, take care. To learn more about Purple Patch Custom Triathlon Programming, our upcoming training camps in San Francisco and South Carolina, or to learn more about Matt's latest book, Fast Track Triathlete, visit purplepatchfitness.com. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thanks. Thanks.